nest and uh if you hear anything in the background that seems really strange let's can you hear it yes that's my god that's my washing machine again a gasket has gone i think on a previous show uh, a gasket had blown and it's blown it never listen yes like a monster a monster's coming to get me and maybe i shouldn't uh, dry my clothes or wash them while i'm doing a radio house nest show but i just think it's a casual thing to do while i make a show up <laughs> very unprofessional i must admit yes <laughs> drying clothes while i make a radio show but you know it's a family show nice and warm and cozy and here we are in radio house nest up making noises together and thank you for being here we shall ignore the beast behind us the mechanical beast and move on with this show now you know what it's all about i think you do it's just my songs yes it's just my demos it's all my work i've done as a songwriter from eons eons before and uh, let me play you now a demo that has yes not been heard before again um a rarity uh, there's that word again rare but this is a song called fine line and i wrote it with a, a writer i never met actually uh, i think it was a lady called terry <laughs> the beast is coming nearer uh, <laughs> but my jeans will be really dry um a lady called terry cox i believe all the publishers were sending me lyricists to work with uh, because i'd worked with bernie Taupin and had success and they thought just give him a good lyricist and something will happen and uh it's a shame i never met this lady but i was intrigued intrigued by this lyric that came through on the fax machine yes right back in the days of fax machines just like a drying machine back there yes old mechanical making noises yes all that stuff but this lyric i thought was really quite strong and um i pulled out of the vault this uh quite uh, intriguing demo i remember it was in the 90s and i was using a lin 9000 drum machine a dx7 all the analog keyboards and it was just me um in my studio with a 16 track but um let me play it to you now and i'll tell you a bit more about it after this is a song called fine line
a demo from <laughs> the 90s i believe right back then yes the prehistoric age i feel so lucky that i kept all my demos i got, just got to say i think about these shows and that i had a feeling that you had to keep all the cassettes all the dats all the uh, quarter analog tapes everything even the 24 track tapes i kept them all marked them all up and I feel so fortunate, even when we moved into the Pro Tools era, I still had all these connections that I could pull on. I have to thank Mike Rodriguez, um, a great friend of mine, who uh, made sure that all these demos would uh, would fly on Pro Tools as all the generations of Pro Tools changed. Anyway, I was just knocked out to find this because I really, 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 as these shows prove, haven't heard this for the longest time. Uh, written with a lady called, I believe her name was Terry Cox. I can't remember the publisher who sent the lyric to me and uh, told me, uh, maybe you want to write this, but I can see that I was uh, that they, they would have thought this is a Bernie Taupin kind of lyric. I can hear a lot of those nuances there. And as you can hear, I'm singing very much in that 
Elton John kind of vibe, which has surprised me. I didn't realise I was sounding so much like Elton John back then. Must have been just because I was working with Bernie. Sometimes you uh, you take on the atmosphere of what you're around, and I'm slapping bass there. Uh, of course, I came across from England as a bass player uh, back in the 80s, and I took the bass very seriously, and I was uh, good to hear that. Uh, the bass was um, actually, it sounds like worked out quite hard there. And uh, the Lindrums, the programming of a drum machine first time really we were really getting into the uh, what a, ma uh, a machine drum could do and the toms were sounding very ambient so all the samples we were using sounded like big drummers you know those big rock drummers I can hear that we were thinking that at that period and the BVs, I, I really quite like. Uh, towards the end, I really, again, it's like listening to some other artist. I go like, those BVs, those backing vocals are quite good. Me playing a guitar solo of sorts, uh, staying quite close to the melody because I'm not really a guitarist. Playing through a Rockman, a little unit that made your uh, studio sound like you had big amplifiers there. And it's really um, trying to make a demo sound live and big and wide, as in those 90s, early 90s, I'm sure this is the early 90s, we were trying to do. Uh, for fuck's sake, who is that opening the vault door? I told you! Keep away! Sorry about that. Anyway, um, I have no control of the control of this studio. Some of the faders come up, as you've known through the years, if you've listened to these shows, um, I have no control at all. Anyway, that song, Fine Line, written with, I believe, a lady called Terry Cox, and I hope she's doing well, wherever she is. I don't think this song was ever recorded, except by me. And there's a rarity. Well, it's lovely to have Trevor Thornton back with us again. Popular demand. They said the first show was so great. We've welcomed him back to the Owl's Nest to join me in another hour show. Well, actually, uh, I never left. I couldn't get out of the house. You wouldn't let me leave. You know, I've been hearing noises under the stairs. That's yeah, where you went. Yeah, I've been in the basement for the last week. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I can uh, smell it. I can smell it. You've been down there, haven't you? And plus, uh, you know, your petunias need trimming and the the lawn. That's the, right. The lawn. And so I, I, you have to remember that when we did the first show, I did find out for the first time that Trevor, before he was a drummer for me, he was my gardener. I was Martin's gardener. Now that is unusual for a songwriter to have uh, his drummer become his gardener. But Trevor Thornton, uh, who recorded with Qfil and doing Dancing in Heaven, was in fact. My gardener. And the roses were never watered enough, the daffodils never grew, and the grass was pathetic. I think Trevor should have stuck to being a drummer. It's a song from the Poetry of Collisions Volume 2, My Demos. I know a man. I know a man.
I must admit, I like that song. <laughs> and I do like a lot of my songs. It does sound embarrassing to say, doesn't it? When you're a songwriter, you go, I love my song. Well, there's a few I don't feel too good about, but that one, I do feel my heart is pulsing for it. That's called I Know a Man, and it was on a uh, album of mine called The Poetry of Collisions, Volume 2. Yes, there was a Volume 1. This is Volume 2. <clears throat> when you think about it, volumes, volumes. That gets me excited. I remember all those uh, tighten-up reggae volumes on vinyl I bought as a kid, and also the Motown chart busters. I think it was Volume 1 to 6. I like volumes. And Mr. Page here, I have my my own volumes does feel pretty good poetry of collisions volume one and two we are being called into the depths of the darkness and eternal doom oh i go you have such a sexy sexy deep barry white kind of voice don't you yes yeah but don't overdo it we know you're a big sexy bouncy boy so what have we found here in the pagey archives well, about two shows back, I talked about working with a great Welsh singer called Steve Balsamer, a very, very talented lad. And uh, I mentioned that there were two or three songs that we didn't get to do. And there was a couple of songs he was very, very interested in doing at that time. Um, uh, he listened to one of these songs, the one I'm going to play you, and he said, that's uh, one I wouldn't mind attacking, having a go at that. It's quite an esoteric song. I really sort of did it for myself. But um, it's called Samsara. Samsara, quite an unusual title, I suppose. But if you were uh, into Buddhism, you would relate to it. And Steve, at that time, was obviously um, a very spiritual guy. He'd been... Uh before the lead singer with uh, Jesus Christ Superstar in London been hugely successful with that and here he was about to do um, a solo record we were writing for that so I knew he, he was looking for something that would feel um, spiritual to him a little bit deeper than what all the publishers and record companies were saying you have to go to Mr Page and get a commercial song well he was also interested in really I think revealing another side of him now, samsara, yes, the word, what does it mean? It's uh, a Sanskrit Pali word that means world. Uh, Buddhists conceive of the world as a suffering-laden cycle of life, death and rebirth without beginning or end. Uh, yes, rather frightening that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> known as the word samsara, beings are driven from life to life uh, in a system by karma. Uh, I'm sure you know that, which is activated by their good or evil or bad actions. Um, now, I th I saw Samsara also as quite a beautiful, feminine-sounding kind of name. And I wrote this, I think, thinking of a person, actually, a lady called Samsara. Well, without further ado, I shall play you the 16-track demo uh, from the beginning of time called Samsara. Samsara <laughs>
track demo from uh, way back there I think again from the 90s uh, a song called Samsara I was doing as I said some writing with um, Steve Balsamo and uh, I was playing him a few other demos to see if he was interested and he said I'm quite interested in that girl Samsara but we never got to uh, get Samsara to meet him anyway a little eclectic uh, uh, demo there uh, morning eclectic I listened to this radio show in LA well the radio station KCRW the morning's eclectic I think they might have played that now here is a uh, interesting uh, track for all you songwriters out there this is me and jack hughes from wang chung jamming making up a song as we go
That's me and Jack Hughes. Uh, I think it was late 80s. We got together and we just jammed, and um, it's a song that we tentatively, uh, well, I think Jack wrote some of these lyrics out and it became Big Cathedral. Uh, we never finished it. That is just phonetic vocals from Jack. I think we did three hours together, but I do like the feel, and it was nice to find this. Um, I was watching the Get Back movie um, for the Beatles, and uh, Jack and I are both huge Beatles fans, and the way you saw Paul McCartney building up uh, Get Back, that actual track, was fantastic, and uh, the way they were sort of finding their way, and that's why I wanted to play this to you. Jack is such an incredible singer, and you get, that's, this is just one take. He just said, let's, let's just do a phonetic jam vocal. Totally never finished. I mean, we just walked away from it and uh, found it many, 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 many years um, ago down the line. But that's, I just wanted to illustrate what it's like when you just do something um, instantaneous, roll and get the feel, and you do a phonetic vocal, which I always love to do on my demos. But you could tell with Jack there with his uh, great swing vocals, great funk vocals, that I'm, I believe this track could have turned into something really quite wonderful. So um, anyway, that's a uh, Ruffy um, showing two songwriters uh, grooving, jamming, trying to find their way on a song that tentatively was called Big Cathedral. I got to say, working with Jack was very, very powerful to me because he has a very different way of seeing harmonics than I do, and uh, you can hear that on uh, Big Cathedral. This this, this jam, he uh, has a tremendous sense of jazz harmony, and I hope that Jack doesn't mind me playing this rarity. <laughs> he might be driving over to my house now with a revolver. Who can tell? Well, uh, before I get shot, um, <laughs> this is the middle of the show. Um, nearly about 30 minutes in, and I'm just riffing. Uh, in the past, we used to do a quiz, and um, there's about 3,000 people in mental homes now because of that. And I, as I said before, I still feel very guilty, very guilty about that. So I'm just going to riff on some subjects that I think you might find quite interesting about moi, me. And I sat down this morning and wrote a few notes, and I thought motivation. Motivation is a great word, especially for songwriters. And I thought I should speak about what it was to be a songwriter, how to be motivated, and what really I did to turn myself in from being a slob in Southampton and a soccer player into being somewhat of a professional um, songwriter. Some would argue with that, but I'm going to call myself a professional songwriter. So what's the motivation and the kind of things that I did back then to make sure that I turned into something I wanted to be? Well, I think the most important thing is desire. That word that the Buddhists would say, maybe not a good word, but desire to um, do something that you absolutely love. Something that turns you on, really, as the Beatles would say, it turns us on, turns me on. Uh, I thought songwriters were the most um, important element of what a little vinyl record was. When I bought a record, I looked at who the songwriters were in brackets underneath the title of the song. Lennon McCartney, you know, Holland Dozier Holland. Um, it just hit me that I thought those guys who wrote this song must be so important to the process. So maybe I can uh, portray a few things to you songwriters out there, whatever, um, what really got me going and kept me on the march and, and disciplined to do the thing that I loved. I think you've got to love it. 
You've got to love it. You've got to listen to music and records and go, I want a piece of that. That still remains with me. I think that focus, that desire. I remember when I was uh, about 17 years old, I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life? And I went to the top rank suite <laughs> and danced and drank too much. But I did see the band on stage and I thought they're, they're distant from us. They're doing something that we want to do. I remember watching the band playing all the hits of the time and thinking a musician is actually creating the atmosphere. He's making people feel good. And um, I did feel a positivity in music. So anyway, that's where I started thinking there's a better life than just um, being in a council estate in Southampton and fighting people. I went to the top rank suite in Southampton after a few fights and watched musicians on a stage, risen up from the level of the ground, uh, playing songs that I loved from the charts. And I revered those musicians. I revered um, the magic they were performing. So, what do you do to be a songwriter? Well, you have to do a lot of things. You have to study, 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 and be disciplined and focused. And you have to learn an instrument, whether it's your voice, whether you're a lyricist, whether you are going to be a mu um, just a songwriter, understanding piano, guitar, bass, you have to learn what music really does. So for me, personally, as a bass player, I learned all the scales. I wanted to be a bass player. I'm six foot uh, nine <laughs> inches tall, very tall, uh, six foot two actually. And um, I thought bass that resonates in all these records means something to me, I want to be a bass player. But when you become a bass player, you start to learn about songs. So learning an instrument is really, really great. And when I played bass, I had to learn the scales, I had to learn chords, and I had to learn um, how rhythm was built up. So from bass, you learn the drums, and from bass, you learn the lead vocal, and from bass, you learn what the piano player's playing. Uh, that's, that was my journey, anyway. So what I'm trying to say is that you have to get a sense of what it is to understand um, the rudiments of music before you become a songwriter. It's not a sprint, it's definitely a long distance run. And um, one of the most important things is, again, I have to say, right in the middle of this conversation is desire. You do not stop, you just keep learning. And um, you learn every element of what it must be to be a musician um, touched by music, touched by music. That means learn about, for me, home recording, the basics of engineering. How do you make a demo? How do the Beatles make their records? The technical side of it, you know, making a demo. How do you record um, what you're singing? So it's really important to get a sense of every, every aspect of those those records, those streaming songs that you like, you have to know there's an engineer involved, a producer, there's musicians, there's a songwriter, there's a singer. Learn a little bit about every single thing. Now for me, I was a bass player, but from that spread the wings of touching all the other elements. And you need your heroes. You have to emulate people that have done it before you. And I found a lot of those because all I did was buy records. And I think it's really important to visualize, actually visualize, <laughs> see yourself as that songwriter. Because what you see in front of your eyes, in your heart, in your mind's eye, you will become, I believe. 
the thing you desire um, and also disappointment it's really important to fail really important to fail I, rem I remember for me personally every time it went wrong uh, and we didn't get a cut or nobody liked the song I it just revved me on I thought well, I've got to win I've got to win I've got to push harder what am I doing wrong and I had a little, little bit of anger inside me that they couldn't see that what I was going to be so that little bit of um, shall we say competition is very healthy um, also you've got to have a character where you sell yourself for me I had to make friends with great professionals um, charisma and um, it's good to be liked it's good to be loved um, others that see your vision that follow you and join in with you well that's just such a brilliant thing and in my own career if I could lift other people that were skillful around me to believe in my dream well then you're all on the same path together you can't do it on your own you have to build relationships nothing is achieved without a team um, so you have to be a person who can sell and get close to the kind of talent that you want to bring with you um, and the most important thing is writing songs makes you happy I knew that if I stopped writing songs I wouldn't be alive um, and I felt like you can't stop me doing that it means so much to me even though all the early songs were crap and everything wasn't really happening in your heart you just you think this gives me so much joy and I know I'm lifting myself and others by writing songs so I think it's really important that if you're going to be a songwriter you realize you're going to be a songwriter and it's the only thing you can do for me it was like if you take away my songwriting I will not be able to breathe I know that sounds grand but I lived for it um, obviously in the earlier years you live for it a little, a little bit more than you do in the later years you become mature and you look at it a bit a bit different I'm just trying to impart to all those songwriters out there that are pushing is that um, you live for it because it makes you happy Now, I mentioned uh, Southampton, yes, down by the coast, uh, pirates and boats, that's my heritage. Here's a folk song that I wrote for Robbie Williams a long time back called The Admiral's Daughter, and it's from the Poetry of Collisions, Volume 1, I do like those volumes, and it is track 6, so become a pirate with me just for a moment, and let's do a bit of folk. There was a girl I was courting She was the Admiral's daughter Well, what was I thinking? She was the road to my room So tip your hats and away we'll go Push away the boats and row, boys, row Look over your shoulder for the bullet boys' guns There's a bullet with my name on So where we'll run Such a pretty pearl And I was soon in her again When the marriage bells are ringing And I left poor guy weeping For I promised I was not keeping And all the vows I swore I left her standing at the church So tip your hats and away we'll go Push away the boats and roll Shorter for the bullet boys' guns 
ship on the horizon. I know my days were numbered when I heard the cannon thunder. Soon be face down in the water for the admiral's daughter. in his house and he said uh, the bullet with my name on I like that I like that I think I'm going to do that a bullet with my name on that suits me uh, alas he did not make the folk album called Gypsy Songs so I did one of those volume things yes I do like the volumes Poetry of Collisions Volume 1 it's track 6 on there uh, The Admiral's Daughter now any of you fancying a- yes a bit of the 80s I'm told there's nothing like the 80s. <laughs> I don't know whether to believe that or not. But I had a song uh, in Caddyshack 2. I think it was, what was it? 19... Fuck me. 1988. Thank you very much there. Wikipedia is helping me. Caddyshack 2. Um, I wrote a song with the great Cliff Magnus. And... Uh, <laughs> I just related as a songwriter what it is to suffer pain. On the internet, it says that Caddyshack 2, made in 1988, is one of the worst sequels ever. I had two fucking songs on there. Two songs. How do you, how do you think I felt? Anyway, the joy was working with Cliff, who was a genius to work with. And let me play you the 16-track demo that we did together of a track called One Way Out, recorded by... Eric Martin. This is our demo with Cliff singing a great vocal.
My goodness. My goodness. Listen to Cliff's vocal. I mean, recently I went onto the internet and listened to a few interviews he did, a couple of podcasts, and I didn't know anything about his history, really. When I came to America uh, early 80s and worked with him, we only wrote about two or three songs together and then we moved apart. But listening to his heritage was fantastic. I had no idea. I think he just laughed at me. He thought I was John Cleese. On a podcast uh, that I was listening to, he said, working with Martin Page is like working with John Cleese. The Ministry of Silly Walks. I'll take it as a compliment. Uh, We had a lot of laughs. Um, But he's such a talented musician. Um, Everything in rock he could touch. He could play the, the rock guitars. He could understand how the bass went. He could sing. I mean, I was working with vocalists at that time, like Tommy Funderburg, who had a really high range. But if you listen here to what Cliff was doing, you can understand that he really could have been one of those uh, rock uh, lead singers in a rock band that did that kind of thing. Um, it's interesting, really, because Cliff was also a drummer, I learned. I wasn't sure about that. He never said he was a drummer. I think he was laughing too much, but really, all round, uh, I think Cliff could have been um, Aerosmith Part 2. Cliff really had an affinity for rock music, and uh, he loved it, and you could tell. It's interesting, because we were talking about songwriting, and I think Cliff decided that he would sit just below the front line. I think he loves songwriting more than anything, so he was just below the radar, like me. And listening to the podcast, he he related to both of us actually being chameleons, so that we could do rock, soul, and um, pop, and uh, folk, and whatever. And in fact, a song we wrote together called The Children which was recorded by Starship, is released on one of his solo albums, which is good news. So check out my mate Cliff. Uh, That's Cliff Magnus. That's really why I'm playing this song, because also I learned that Cliff had been through a very big health scare, and he beat it. He showed great courage, and I think um, all you songwriters out there should uh, check him out, because uh, music helped him dig deep, dig deep, and have the strength to carry on. That's Cliff Magnus. It's definitely worth you checking him out. Now, I'd love to play you a brand new song, a brand new song called A Ghost in the House. Um, very proud of this little piece. Um, it's from an album of mine called Zero at the Bone, a very intimate piece, and it seems the right time to play it to you. So check out my new song, A Ghost in the House. comfort a distant thunder the boy of make-believe has lost his wonder like Emily's landlord something's here tonight all I know is there's a ghost in this house Spear that rise from blood Here's the heart of rust The old romantic swindle 
But that was never enough Like Emily's satellite It's here again tonight And all I know is There's a ghost in this It's a new song. Uh, really enjoyed playing that to you. A song called uh, A Ghost in the House um, from an album of mine called Zero at the Bone. Uh, and I was thinking then, I was as I was listening to it fresh, uh, I was thinking about, you know, there's a moody blues. There's a thing going on there. Some of those very uh, progressive rock albums of that time, moody blues used to sometimes capture a moment. And, and for the first time, I thought, I can feel that here. A bit of a psychological song, if there's ever such a thing as a psychological song. Um, yes. Uh, anyway, um, thank you for letting me uh, debut a new song um, that I've been working on. Um, a ghost in the house from an album called Zero at the Bone. <laughs> it's time! It is time! I'll be there in a minute! Okay, it's nothing to do with that. It is time for the quote of the month. <laughs> and I really like this one. Um, <laughs> I've got a giggle. Um, this is a book I'm reading which is pretty fantastic. A Brief Eternity, uh, The Philosophy of Longevity by Pascal Bruckner. Really, really a terrific book. Um, and there's a quote that we are going to read here from the great Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. And he says, I find my last years fascinating. I don't feel old at all, except when I'm shaving and look at myself in the mirror. 
Yes, I think we all know what that's about. I certainly know what that's about. Uh, that's a great Keith Richards uh, from a book uh, written by Pascal Bruckner, A Brief Eternity, The uh, Philosophy of Longevity. I highly recommend that book for people that are just saying, I don't like getting old. Why is it happening? Um, it makes you feel rather quite positive about becoming wise and mature like a good owl. And there they are, up in the rafters. And why is it that we look at owls and we think old and wise, great wisdom? Why is it? It's really quite interesting to think, well, we look at an owl and we say he must be a 3,205 years old. Maybe it's just because of their eyes and how beautiful they really are. And their soul shines through with a... Great wisdom. I suppose it's all down to really quite just great wisdom. That's all that... Okay! Okay, I'll feed you later. That does make me want to thank you, though, all you Radio Owlhead supporters out there. Um, these shows are fun because a few of you out there uh, listen. <laughs> Just a few. But um, it, it, it's a little clan, isn't it? It's like a little nested little clan of people that uh, are on the same wavelength. And so I just want to say thank you to all you Owlheads who have been there right from the beginning. Joseph, TC and Robin and all the others. Loads of you. Matt, loads of... Ra Rachel, um, Bert, Smith, Sylvester, Ted, um, Bartholomew. Uh, I can't remember all the names, but you're all very lovely. And uh, I thank you. Um, one day I shall go through all the list and mention all your names in a row. That'll take about two minutes no but probably three hours something like that and there'll be a good reason to do that because we are at episode 47 can you believe that is it yes it is i've just looked at pro tools it's <laughs> episode 47 quite phenomenal that means we're getting to 50 and that's where i stop that's been my goal to reach 50 that's where i say that's it i'm 50 years well uh old uh <laughs> that's where i stop it's always nice to reach a plateau that you thought you could never reach um so when we reach 50 we'll do something pretty special right gang yes we will uh anyway i hope you enjoyed the show i did <coughs> it's the incense <coughs> I burn all this incense in the studio I feel spiritual but <coughs> terrible for my lungs um, <laughs> lovely to have you with me I hope you enjoyed the show I had great fun I hope you enjoyed the demos some of these songs I hadn't heard for the longest time and it always thrills me remember we always fight for animal rights uh, a love of my life they do not belong to us animals are not ours to experiment on animals are not ours to eat Animals are not ours to wear. Animals are not ours to use in the owl's nest for entertainment. And animals are not ours to abuse in any other way. Animal rights, let's fight for them. Thanks, guys. See you again next time.